Welcome to the 82nd episode of the First Stage Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we go over some of the storylines from the divisional round of the playoffs and decide whether they are an overreaction or not. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently here. We're going to play a game of overreaction, not an overreaction, uh, just kind of getting some takes that we may have come up with throughout the weekend, um, whether we agree with them or disagree with them on one fantasy related uh, takes. Obviously, this is a fantasy football podcast, but also just pure football takes. Um, There's Obviously, we watch a lot of football as a fantasy football podcast, so we also want to be well-informed and kind of understand what we're looking to see moving forward from some certain teams, and then we can talk about the ramifications of that in regards to fantasy later on once they happen, but we have, I think it's like four and four, uh, some pure football takes, some fantasy football takes, and whatever, so we're going to start things off. Tyler, give me one of your takes uh, that you may agree or disagree with uh, from this weekend. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, Josh Allen. You know, we, we saw him really uh, kind of ball out this week against the Baltimore Ravens. And um, after what I saw, what I've seen all this year and, you know, these past two weeks in the playoffs, I reckon that he, he is a top three dynasty quarterback uh, during this time. Uh, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, obviously. And then I think that after those two, you kind of have a, a group of guys in like Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, and I think Josh Allen is in that conversation as well. And with the, with the baggage that, that Deshaun Watson has right now, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, there will just uncertainty and, um, you know, Russell Wilson, not having the rushing upside that Josh Allen has, I, 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 I believe that, Josh Allen is a top three dynasty quarterback right now. And if you really wanted to get freaky, you could make the argument that he's a top two dynasty quarterback right now. I I feel very good about um, his progression in his third year. And obviously he's, he's kept up that, that uh, rushing upside that he's had since he Mm -hmm. stepped onto an NFL field. So I think that both the, I think that the passing, uh, progression has been legit and I think that he's going to continue to improve um you know adding in Stefan Diggs to the to the offense did wonders for him and his uh his progress and you know he's gonna he's gonna continue to be like a like a rushing threat especially in the red zone like he has kind of been the the red zone running back for the Bills this year so um I feel very confident in Josh Allen i I am confidently saying that he's a top three uh, dynasty quarterback right now. Yeah, I don't think this is an overreaction at all. And you mentioned Lamar Jackson. I would actually take Josh Allen ahead of Lamar Jackson just because, one, his play is very sustainable. Um, I don't think it's very reliant on the scheme either. He's just a superstar. Like, however you want to cut it, like, listen, I'm a Patriots fan. I didn't want Josh Allen to be good. I honestly thought he was quite garbage his first year. He wasn't very good last year. He had flashes of being good. And this year he put it all together. He's fantastic. Like, I – love watching Josh Allen play the Bills are fun they're a fun team to watch and they it looks like Brian Dable might actually not end up getting a head coaching job there's only two spots left he could still leave but at the end of the day I think um yes the offensive coordinator could change they could draft a running back or sign a running back we'll talk about that in a little bit 
and those things can hurt him. But I think at the end of the day, he was the QB two overall this year, like one point behind Kyler Murray as the QB one overall. And that includes having four straight games under 20 points. Like he had a cold stretch and he will grow through those kinds of things and kind of start to figure things out. Um, realistically right now, he's one of the best passers in the NFL and he's upside. I mean, I don't have his averages up right now, but I believe he's averaging around like 500 yards rushing and eight rushing touchdowns a season. Um, what the hell do you do with that? Like that is a guy that is going to throw for 4,000 almost every year. He's probably going to throw for like 30 plus touchdowns every single year. And now he can rush for 500 yards and eight plus touchdowns. Like I'm definitely putting Josh Allen at least in the top three. I think he is in a conversation uh, with Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Really? I think he's with those two guys uh, that high up in terms of sustainability, how long it can last. And just overall situation like this is things are going to get better, not worse for the Buffalo offense, in my opinion. So, yeah, I love, love, love Josh Allen. Um, I want to keep things in Buffalo here. One of my takeaways from this weekend. Um, let me know if you think it's an overreaction or not. I think the Buffalo Bills number one priority in free agency needs to or in the draft needs to be to get a running back that they can rely on because the Bills running backs over the last two games in the playoffs, games that they've been leading, they've had a positive game script. And they this is games where you typically you want to grind things out, maybe work the clock a little bit. They are not able to do that because they literally cannot run the ball. Their running backs have a combined 19 carries through two games. So not even averaging 10 carries a game in the playoffs while leading. Josh Allen has 18 carries. So, I mean, he's really their RB1 right now. Um, you want to keep Josh Allen healthy the further along he goes in his career. You want to make the offense less predictable. I think a guy like Chris Carson makes a ton of sense. If you want to spend a lot of money, maybe a guy like Aaron Jones makes a lot of sense, or you can draft a guy like Najee Harris and kind of keep that position at a minimal cost. Uh, maybe take him to round one. Maybe he's you trade back and take him beginning of the round two. I'm not really sure, but I think the Buffalo Bills, one of my takeaways is that they desperately, desperately need a running back to rely on. Yeah, I don't think this is an overreaction. I think that they should definitely be looking for a guy to kind of grind things out at the end of games. Um, you know, they have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, two guys that are uh, pretty solid. I, motor in specific, um, I think that he's a very good player. Um, he's just not a guy that you really want to give 20 touches a game. Yeah. And you want to rely on that. He's so, more Chris Thompson than he is any, anything else. Like, he's a change of pace back. Yeah, he's a change of pace back. A very good one, to say the least. So, um, you know, you mentioned Chris Carson. I think that's a great fit. Um the fact that he's 25, 26, I don't think that he's going to cost very much. I think that he would be a great addition to this, this Buffalo Bills. I think that Bills Mafia would love him. Um, I think it would just be a great overall fit for, for Chris Carson. Um, Najee Harris, you know, you could go with a guy like Najee Harris. I think that he would be overqualified for the, the position that, or the role that he, he would have uh, with the Buffalo Bills. You know, you mentioned, um, <clears throat> Uh, Josh Allen's rushing upside, you know, he's had eight touchdowns uh, each of the last three seasons, um, 25 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns total uh, over the past three seasons. So um, the role that Najee Harris would have in this offense, including Devin Singletary and uh, Zach Moss getting his touches, I think that he would be overqualified for them. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that they definitely need um, that kind of grinded out kind of guy, uh, someone that they can rely on at the end of games to just get them a few first downs and get them to W because like, you don't want to rely on Josh Allen's rushing ability, like 
all the time. You know, yeah. he's, he's young Especially right in now. those like predictable run situations where it's yeah. like third and four. You don't want to be running QB power because that's where you get your quarterback hit hard. Like we we literally just saw it with Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Like they were running a, a a quarterback option when you knew that Patrick Mahomes was banged up and they still ran it. And you saw what happened. He he got knocked knocked out. He he barely got up after that play. Yeah, we'll he, see if he's able to play next week. That's going to be super interesting for the yeah. Bills. Um, Chiefs are still favorited right now. Not really sure what's going on there. Um, maybe the maybe Vegas has the independent neurologist on the line, but I don't know. That's kind of crazy. Um. Quick break here. I just want to look at the stat that I found on ESPN. Um, the fifth winningest or the top four franchise in terms of playoff wins are the New England Patriots at 37, the Packers at 36, the Steelers at 36, the Cowboys at 35, and then tied with the San Francisco 49ers is Tom Brady with 32 playoff wins. I just wanted to point that out. That's legitimately just insane. Um, he's the gift that keeps on giving. He's the GOAT. Just wanted to put that out there. This is a pro Tom Brady, Tom Brady uh, podcast. I'm, I'm rooting for the man. I don't care who wins in the NFC Championship between the Bucks and the Packers. I root for both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But Brady's the greatest man. I don't know if we're ever going to see this again. I know Mahomes is unbelievable, but I'm appreciating Brady while he's here. I, I, 100. I mean, that goes without saying. We, we, uh, I think at this point we just appreciate every time that we we get to watch Tom Brady on Sunday. Yeah. Um especially like even the bad games, like, you know, it just, it's just good to see Tom Brady out there, even in a Tampa Bay Fox Jersey. Um, personally, I would love to see him win a, win a Super Bowl in one of these next two years so that he yeah. can retire um, going off in the sunset with seven rings. <laughs> he'll end as the winningest. Uh, I mean, he'll have the most Super Bowls of all time. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's crazy. Way, like I just, I just wanted, want him to solidify himself just like create a resume that's just so um, just difficult to surpass, make things harder for the next guy, whether it's Mahomes or um, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. What if Josh, Josh Allen and Brady play in the Super Bowl? If Josh Allen wins, like then what? Does he take the belt? Does he, is he the goat? Well, no, I don't know, man. I think, I think I know it was, it was hyped up to be, Lamar versus Mahomes over the next few years, but um, I actually do believe it's going to be Allen versus Mahomes, and I think it's going to be one hell of a battle between those two. Um, no disrespect to Lamar, it would not surprise me if he ended up winning a Super Bowl at some point. I just don't think he's at that level yet, and I need to see him get there. Um, actually, we'll get to uh, one thing that I think will help Lamar in his development, but I think I think Allen and Mahomes, especially if if Allen wins this year, I mean he's technically an MVP candidate. He might not win the whole thing because Rodgers is also unbelievable. He's an MVP candidate. He does everything for his team. Um, if he were to win a Super Bowl and win Super Bowl MVP, I mean, that pretty much matches what Mahomes did last year. Um, just crazy. Josh Allen is really taking a step forward. Like, he's, he's that dude right now. Um, you can't root against the Buffalo Bills at this point. Like, they're such a great story. It would be cool to see a bills Bucks Super Bowl. Honestly, any team that wins would be cool. I think the last four are a really solid grouping of teams that I want to see. Um, Tyler, you look like you have something that you want to say. I just have a fun stat for you. Um, you know, I mentioned before that Josh Allen has 25 rushing touchdowns. Take a guess on how many Tom Brady has. Tom Brady. He's been, in the, he's been in the league for a long time. Um, is it 25? It's 25. He's 25. Really? 
Yeah. I thought it would be more. That's kind of crazy. So he's averaging what, like one point one two rushing touchdowns a year. Yeah. So I mean, Josh Allen right there in the in the goat conversation. If he wins it this year, <laughs> we might have a totally different. Conversation. We're gonna have to start a dialogue. That's for sure. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about once again. This one's like a pure football uh, take, but my takeaway from this game is that the Baltimore Ravens desperately need to sign a wide receiver one, a true wide receiver one, not draft one. Um, You can try to draft one, but I honestly don't think that's going to be enough. I think you need to get a true wide receiver one, whether that is a Kenny Galladay, whether that is a per- – my, per- my perfect fit would be Allen Robinson. I think Hollywood Brown is not a wide receiver one. Uh, Mark Andrews is not a number one option in the passing game. I think these guys are like one step above what they should be. I think they're both really good complimentary guys, but the difference in this game to me, obviously Lamar Jackson threw that pick six, that really changes the game. But you look at what Stephon Diggs was able to do for Josh Allen because the Baltimore Ravens were playing fantastic defense and Diggs was just there. Like they had the trust, they had the connection and Allen, whenever shit got rough, he could go to Diggs. That is what I think Lamar needs in order for us to see if he can really be this like, max level quarterback that can take you to a Super Bowl. Um I'm not making excuses for Lamar. That throw was inexcusable. Uh, like at in the end zone, you can't throw a pick six like that. Um just not he didn't play great. Allen didn't play great either, but Allen had the trust with his go-to number one guy. And I think that's what Lamar needs in order for him to take that next step. I really, really, really want Allen Robinson to end up there. I don't know if they have the money. I don't know how exactly that would work. But if Allen Robinson could end up in Baltimore, I think that is the next step for this team in order to be able to beat a team like the Bills or the Chiefs in the playoffs. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that Allen Robinson going to the Baltimore Ravens, I feel like they wouldn't maximize him to like his fullest potential, like based on the player that we believe that Allen Robinson is like I I kind of compare him to Keenan Allen because obviously they're, they're two guys that really rely on their, their footwork. They're very good route running. Always open. But um, yeah, they, they've always, they've been underrated over the past couple of years. I think that Al Robinson has the opportunity. If he goes to a new team this off season has the opportunity to be like this year's Keenan Allen or 2021, he has the opportunity to be like this year's Keenan Allen. Um, You know, we, we were talking about Keenan Allen to uh, begin the season and, you know, we really saw him as like a low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three, because there was yeah. so much uncertainty with the, the quarterback position. Um, and then once Justin Herbert came in, like Keenan Allen was solidified as like a top five wide receiver. Like he was getting a ridiculous amount of targets. He was obviously executing with them. Yeah. Um, he was just making the most of his, his targets and, you know, if Al Robinson goes to the mo- a more ideal spot than Chicago, I think that he has an opportunity to, to have that kind of breakout uh, this upcoming season. Oh, no, he could. He could. I just don't think I, – I personally don't think that's in Baltimore. I think that Kenny Galday is a guy that could, that could flourish in Baltimore because he doesn't need that many targets. He doesn't – he's not a big target guy. I think that yeah. his career high is somewhere around like 120 targets. Mm-hmm. Um He's obviously a deep threat, but he can he can do a lot in between. Like he he's a very good intermediate intermediate uh, route runner, and you know he's a big frame. Like um, there's been questions about Lamar Jackson's accuracy. I think that having a guy with a very large catch radius would help Lamar Jackson with his accuracy. 
well, just getting the ball into the receiver's hands. And, you know, I don't think there's any question that Kenny Galladay is the number one receiver. Like, mm-hmm. I think that either way, like, I, I, he could definitely help Lamar Jackson improve as a passer the same way that we saw Josh Allen improve as a passer. I mentioned this a few weeks ago on the pod. Um, Josh Allen had never thrown for over 60% uh, completion percentage in his life, like dating back to his sophomore year in high school. Yeah. And uh, credit to Brian Dable. um, He threw for, I think, 68% this past season. Um, That that goes to show how much improvement he made, but also how important uh, having a number one receiver is. So um, I think that I, I agree he, uh, they definitely need a wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson because Marquise Brown hasn't been cutting it. He just hasn't been consistent enough over the past, was it two years that he's been there? Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Andrews is, Mark Andrews is good. I just don't see him as the guy that, w- that can be the number one target. He's not that kind of uh, yeah. tight end. He's not, he's not in that Kittle tier. He's not in that, uh, that Kelsey tier. Um, but I think that he's a step below that. So um, uh, Waller as well, he's another guy. Um, but yeah, I think that he's a secondary guy. I think that he can be your number two target. They definitely need to look at someone this offseason to become their number one uh, receiver. Yeah, I like what you said with Galladay. I do think Galladay, one, is more likely, and two, just – I mean, I don't know. I like Allen Robinson. I think – we just need to, I want to see Lamar with a true number one, just to see if he can take that step forward. And I think the Ravens need to do him that favor because I mean, you're like you said, the accuracy is a bit of an issue. I think the Ravens know that Lamar knows that everybody knows that it's not a, a, like a secret at this point. It's he can get the ball in a certain area, but especially with Hollywood Brown, it's such a small catch radius where you need to be throwing dimes. I mean, he's like, Hollywood Brown is a Russell Wilson type receiver where Russell Wilson can fit that ball in there and get him like plays. He can make plays for him. He's the kind of guy that if you throw him open, he's going to get to the spot that you throw it to because he's just like, he's a speed guy. Exactly. Exactly. His, his success is, is predominantly built on the chemistry that, that he has with his quarterback, because like, it's just about knowing where, where uh, you're going to be and where you're going to be open. Yeah, because you're not going to – I mean, if you're, if you're relying on Hollywood Brown for contested catches, um, you played yourself, and that's honestly what the Ravens are doing. I do think a little bit of it uh, kind of boils down to the offensive coordinators not being very creative in the playoffs. And it kind of reminds me of the Milwaukee Bucks where they just keep trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, and it just doesn't work in the playoffs. Um, they Obviously, they beat the Titans. That was a good win, and they, they – Played the Bills well. It was an even game. I honestly thought the Ravens were going to win. And then that pick six, uh, it just blew the game out of the water. So I think they do need a wide receiver one. Um, Tyler, give me another take from this weekend. Um, yeah, so, you know, watching the Bucs, I think it was a fantastic game uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, with the Bucs game. But, you know, there, there are some questions with the, the, the Tampa Bay Bucs as far as, like, their – I guess their scheme and how they, they use the receivers, but um, you know, they haven't been really been using them as like that, that short to intermediate guys, or um, they haven't been using them on those short to intermediate routes. And I think that because of that, they're kind of missing a pass catching running back 
on this on this roster because they have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, but we've seen throughout Tom Brady's career, he's always had that like that receiving back and like James White, uh, Rex Burkhead, Danny Woodhead. Um, he just always had that guy that's uh, been very reliable out of the backfield. And, you know, you look at this roster, you could argue that LaShawn McCoy is there, but he's also, I think, 32 years old, maybe 33. Yeah, he's, I mean, it, he's te- in spirit, he's there, but he's really not there. Like, yeah. it's not the same LaShawn McCoy that we're used I'm to. Not, I'm not sure if he got any snaps this past week. Yeah. But um, I think looking forward for the Bucks, I think that they're in need of having that, like, third down pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, I don't see that as an overreaction at all especially if Tom Brady comes back next season, which I think that we're both going to assume that because yeah, yeah. Um, I would go, I, I, I believe that the the Packers are going to win uh, this, this week as much as I'd like to see Brady uh, win this year. I think that he ends up losing in the NFC championship just because it's going to be a great game. But um, I, I think that he ends up coming back next year. And if he does, they should definitely be looking at, uh, pass catching running backs to pair with Tom Brady. Uh, this is one of my favorite takes. I absolutely love that. Every single thing you said makes a ton of sense. And I will give to you the perfect fit. Obviously, I'm a Patriots fan. I know what the hell is going on with our free agents and our cap situation. James White's from South Florida. He probably wants to be closer at home at this point, given the tragedy that happened with his family, and he wants to be closer to his mother. He's good friends with Tom Brady. He's good friends with Gronk. He is the perfect fit for Tampa Bay. Like, I think the minute free agency starts, you're going to see James White wearing a Buccaneers hat. And it sucks because I honestly would love for James White to retire as a Patriot. Like, he's one of my favorite Patriots of all time. But it's going to happen. And it makes so much sense for both parties. He's They need a reliable third down back. It's not like they need this guy that is just going to be – running wheel routes all day, but they need someone that can run angle routes, in routes, out routes. You can split them out wide and you can also trust them to pass block. You know, you can also trust their hands. They have 17 drops from the running back position this year. That's literally unacceptable. And it keeps happening. I mean, you saw Leonard Fournette yesterday. I believe he had one or two drops. Uh, Ronald Jones obviously has struggled with drops throughout his entire career. I think James White is a perfect fit there. Maybe a guy like Jaden McKissick, if they let him walk in Washington which I don't think they will um but yeah I just think it makes so much sense for James White to go there and fill that role and then you can have a one-two punch with Ronald Jones and maybe they keep Fournette maybe they don't I don't think he'll take like another pay cut to stay in Tampa Bay but I mean who knows people seem to love playing with Tom Brady and the kind of greatness that he uh, brings to the team I feel like he brings the best out of everybody so we'll see but I think James White is a perfect fit there I absolutely love that take um one thing I do want to talk about here, um, I think we only have like two left, maybe three left. Um, this is another take from that same game. Um, this guy, his, his Instagram, Twitter, whatever, says at can't guard Mike. Um, he should change that, take away the T, can guard Mike for Carlton Davis because he literally got absolutely like Carlton Davis put Michael Thomas in high maximum security prison yesterday. Uh, four targets, zero catches, almost a pick six on him. That was Sean Murphy bunting, but you know the deal. Um, just honestly, unbelievable job that the Bucks did on Michael Thomas. And now I think people are going to overreact a little bit and say that he is not a dynasty wide receiver one. 
Um, I think this is a total overreaction with Drew Brees. Drew Brees honestly was the problem for Michael Thomas this year as, as well as health. But in the five games that he played with Drew Brees, Michael Thomas averaged three receptions and 34 yards. In the four games that Michael Thomas played with Taysom Hill, which he also wasn't healthy because he got shut down after these games. So I guess the health was a concern for both games or both uh, sample sizes. And with Taysom Hill, he averaged seven and a half receptions a game and 86 yards. Um, I mean, Taysom Hill wasn't the problem. So I think if people he's not going to be like the top three, five guy that you drafted him to be probably a year ago if you were drafting in startups or whatever but I think he's still a top 12 dynasty wide receiver I think he still has two to three years of great football left in him and now you have a team that's probably going to be able to throw different routes Breeze has been very limited over the past few years as to how deep he can throw so Michael Thomas isn't a deep threat but you can at least open up the rest of the field and kind of take away this somewhat bracketed coverage that Michael Thomas has been getting underneath I think he's in the same tier as guys like Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. Um, Those are kind of the names I would put him around. He's not, especially if you like younger players, he's not like all the way up there, but I think he's still definitively like one of the guys that you want, you would be okay with trusting as your wide receiver one. So yeah, that's, that's my take. I think Michael Thomas, he's probably going to be undervalued this off season based off of everything that happened this year and how he really just was went ghost in this last game. But I still think uh, Michael Thomas has pretty good value in Dynasty. I, I definitely agree with this. I think that this is an overreaction. Um, assuming that this team kind of stays the same, which it won't, but we're going to assume that it will, besides Drew Brees retiring. Um, I think that we're going to see Taysom Hill re- really rely on Michael Thomas. He didn't throw as much to Kamara during his time that he was starting. I think that he played for four games, maybe five games, but we did not see a lot of – uh, receiving volume for Kamara. We did see it with Michael Thomas when he was in the game with Taysom Hill. So I could definitely see Taysom Hill using Michael Thomas as that kind of safety valve. Um, I think that he's going to continue to get a pretty decent amount of volume. And you talk about that tier of Godwin, Ridley, um, I forgot who else you mentioned, but I think that he's at the top of that tier because he has such a high floor given the offense that he's in. Um, you know, even with Taysom Hill, this, this offense was electric. Like there's no doubt about it. He, they, they, I don't think that they really lost the beat or they, they just didn't, didn't really downgrade when they, when Taysom Hill uh, went in for the injured Drew Brees. So um, I'm still confident in this offense. They still have a very good offensive line. They have good weapons and Kamara and Michael Thomas. I think that Taysom Hill is going to be perfectly fine in this offense this next season. Um, and I'm perfectly fine buying Michael Thomas. Like he, I think that he, he's going into age 28. Yeah, he's going to be odd. 28 in March, I believe. It's kind of odd considering he's just out of his rookie contract, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, but like you said, he still has at least – I think that he still, still has at least three years left of good production. He's not a guy that's really reliant on his athleticism. He's just a, a very technical receiver. Um, and – he has great hands. Like he's just a reliable number one guy. I don't think that changes. I still think that he's, uh, you said top 12. I still think he's a top 10 uh, dynasty wide receiver right now. And I would feel perfectly fine buying him at like a top 12, um, just outside the top 10 price tag, because I think that he's very, I think that he's in for another solid season next year. He didn't really, he kind of disappointed this year, 
but um, you know, injuries had a lot to do with it. So, um, and obviously Drew Brees' production was not very good in the regular season. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling good about, about Michael Thomas. I think that this is definitely an overreaction. Yeah. So long as he's healthy. I mean, Sean Payton's still his coach. Yes. There's a bunch of young talent, but in terms of who's going to help you win a lot of games next year, I think Michael Thomas is one of the names I'll take over a lot of different guys. Um, kind of putting two of these together, obviously the saints have a ton of cap problems and maybe Michael Thomas doesn't love, uh, new orleans as much as maybe we thought he did i don't know we'll see what ends up happening but obviously there's going to be a lot of players uh rumored for either restructures getting cut or getting uh, traded what if now hear me out what if the baltimore ravens send maybe a second round pick for michael thomas just an Ooh. idea just floating that out there it's a lot of money but Lamar Jackson's still on his rookie quarterback contract. It saves a ton of money for the Saints. And the Saints also get draft capital to probably draft his replacement in like a Rashad Bateman. That's that's definitely interesting. I think that I think a Michael Thomas would be solid for Lamar Jackson. You talk about having a safety safety valve. There may not be a better one in the league than Michael Thomas. Like yeah. That would be tough. That would be very good for, for Lamar Jackson. I, I think that it would definitely get his completion percentage up. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, he could throw slants all day. And then you have Hollywood Brown taking the top off the defense. You have Andrews working over the seam. Um, Thomas running short to intermediate routes. I, I think it's an interesting fit. I'm going to tweet this out and see how the fantasy football community feels about it. But um, I don't know. That just came to my mind just now, and I actually really like it. Um, so, yeah, give me, a, give me another take here, Tyler. Yeah, so we're hearing a lot of rumors about Deshaun Watson in the in the trade carousel, just like n- not being happy with the Houston Texans uh, organization as a whole. Um, you know, there's rumors about what he'd be w- be worth and who'd be able to offer that. You know, you look at the two teams that could offer the most, and, and that would probably be the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins because they both have the draft capital. Uh, based on previous trades that they have made. And obviously they, ha- they both have top three picks this upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when you look at a, a potential package for Deshaun Watson, it's probably going to cost you um, wh- one of your top three picks, um, the other first round pick that you have in the first round. Uh, for the Jets, it's the Seahawks first round pick. For the Dolphins, it's their own first round pick. And then um, possibly your first two picks of the next draft, which would be your first round pick and your second round pick. So you're talking, uh, and your quarterback that you have on your roster right now. So um, as far as draft capital for Deshaun Watson, you're probably talking about giving up two first round picks this year, another first round pick this year, and a second round pick next year, and your young quarterback, whether it be Donald or Tua. Uh, is that worth it for those for those teams? I personally think it is. You, you talk about Deshaun Watson being one of the most valuable uh, assets in uh, the National Football League as a whole. You know, he's a young quarterback. He's 25, I think, right now, and he's on a he's going into his fifth year on his rookie deal, which would make him a top 10 paid quarterback. Oh no, he's um, already extended, right? I think he's getting forty. He's extended, but it doesn't kick in until after this year. So this oh, is okay, year. okay, okay. So he's getting paid as a top ten quarterback. 
So you you're locking in one of the most valuable assets for the next five seasons. Um, and he's like, there's no questions about Deshaun Watson's ability as a, as a passer. Um, you, you, you're more than confident in him being able to build a, a, a championship team around him. I think this is a no brainer for any of these teams. You really don't know. You, you have some uncertainty with the other teams or the other quarterbacks available in this draft. You might have some questions about Sam Darnold and Tua Tagovailoa. You have zero questions about Deshaun Watson. He plays the most important position in football. I think that you give up, you give up almost as much as you can to get a guy like Deshaun Watson with the security that you would have in acquiring him. I think this is a no-brainer for any team that he's interested in. He has a no-trade clause, so he can kind of choose where he wants to go. So any team that is interested in him should have or that he's interested in should have, should replicate that same interest and give up pretty much whatever it takes to get him. Yeah, I agree. I, I like, I, I don't remember a quarterback ever like a quarterback of this caliber, this young ever like being on the trade market. It's just insane to me that this is where the Texans have gone to. Um, but yeah, like you could have 10 first round picks right now and not one of them is guaranteed to pan out in the NFL. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously being the number one overall pick is probably the closest thing to that that we've seen in a very, very long time. It's like a surefire prospect, but things can happen. Like guys don't pan out. And you're looking at these teams like the Jets and the Dolphins that just have so much draft capital. Like the Dolphins have the Texans pick this year. They also have the Texans second round pick this year. And you have the New York Jets who have the Seattle first round pick this year, as well as the number two overall pick. Um, like three first round picks, honestly, as crazy as it sounds, is not too much compared to what these teams already have. Like it doesn't completely take away everything that you'll have over the next three years or whatever. Like that's two drafts at the top of the first round and that's really it. And then you're giving up a young quarterback. So it, it really works both ways because the Texans at least give themselves a chance to draft correctly and then build a team from there. Maybe Tua pans out, maybe Sam Donald pans out and then they have something to work with. And the Miami Dolphins, I think this makes the most sense for the Dolphins because you have a team with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, um, amongst other players. Like this team is not, they're young, but they're not to the point where this is something that they could build out for the next five to six years. Like you want to try to maximize this window over the next three to four years where you have elite cornerback play. You have a cheap, young offensive line and defensive line with good linebackers, and you're ready veteran leaders. What'd you say? They're ready to win. Yeah, like this team, you watch them play this year, they are really good quarterback play away from being in the same conversation as a team like Baltimore, Tennessee, Indianapolis, like those playoff contenders. I don't know if they're there yet in the playoffs with a team like Kansas city, but maybe they could be because they kind of have the formula. If you can play one deep safety, you play man coverage on the chiefs and you just make Mahomes try to make these tight window throws up and down the field, then you're not stopping him, but you can at least limit him to 30 points as opposed to 50, which is what he easily could do if you just let him dice you up. So I think this makes the most sense for the dolphins. If I'm the dolphins, I understand you want to see to a pan out, whatever you make this trade. Top five quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Young top five quarterbacks are one in a million. I like you go get Deshaun Watson if you can, whatever the cost. I, I 100% agree. And we, we, we talked about some of the uh, receivers that will be available uh, in free agency. Um, Alan Robinson was one of them. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. Will Fuller. Um, Will Fuller would be right 
like he, he's going to miss, I think, maybe the first two games of the season. Someone uh, Corey Davis. Um, there's more that I'm just not thinking of right now. There's a wide variety of wide receivers that I'm sure would love to go play with Deshaun Watson if they had the option to, especially if it's in Miami where there's no state income tax. Uh, it's a young and upcoming team with Brian Flores, great coaching. Um, I just think that the Dolphins, regardless of what happens, are on the uppity. And uh, if they add Deshaun Watson to this, uh, I think th things would look very good and make things appealing to uh, whatever free agent wide receiver is looking for a new home. So you, going to Miami, you may be worried about the, the weapons that he, he would have. You know, on this roster right now, they only have Mike Kosicki, Devontae Parker, uh, Jakeem Grant. A lot of guys that you don't really think are going to be the number one option. They're, they're number one options on the free agency market, and the Dolphins have money to spend for a number one option. So I don't think that this is – I think that if he is going to uh, the Dolphins, I would feel very good about him, especially um, – with with the capital that they have and um i wouldn't feel as good as about the jets just because they're the jets but uh either way i think that he's an intriguing option for dynasty uh moving forward yeah i mean he's just he's a top five talent and typically a top five talent will have top five production that's kind of the way things go in fantasy if you're good you'll produce most of the time things can happen whatever um and then the last thing that I really want – oh, I guess we have two more things to talk about here. Um, I guess I'll start this off with this. Um, after seeing the Rams play this week, yes, they lost to the Packers. Yes, it was a negative game script. And, yes, this, team's needs, this team needs a little bit of work, and Jared Goff isn't the quarterback that you really want to rely on. Um, but as long as Jared Goff is there, I think Cam Akers, especially next season, is going to be a top three sophomore running back next year i think he's a workhorse he's workhorse talent he gets workhorse usage which in reality should lead to rb1 production so the player that i like to draw a parallel with for cam Akers is kind of like a better version with a better coach and a better offense as a whole than david montgomery it's just a better situation overall i'm not saying cam Akers is david montgomery i believe he is a better player uh, more athletic more explosive but similar types in the sense that they have uh, good vision they make people miss and then they are consistently getting to the second level of the defense and then making plays from there and if they have a good offensive line it's going to be pretty exciting but I think Cam Akers his ADP is probably going to be high it's probably going to be like second round maybe uh, I mean I don't know if he goes late first I think that's a little bit rich but like whatever his ADP is honestly I think he's going to be an okay play there assuming he isn't drafted inside the top 10 um, and the only rookie running back or next year's sophomore running back that I prefer over him is going to be Jonathan Taylor. And I, I think Jonathan Taylor is just a superstar. And I think Cam Akers is just his usage and his talent is just going to be so overwhelming that I will take him over a J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Dolaire. Um, Antonio Gibson is a conversation to be had. I wouldn't hate you if you said Antonio Gibson over Akers. But honestly, looking at it right now, um, I'm going to take – Acres, I'm going to take JT and then Acres, and then you take the rest. Yeah, I think that you look at other guys, Claude Edwards Alaire, he's definitely ahead of AJ Dillon. You can make an argument with, but like there's too much uncertainty. In no, this. I'm not, even, even if Aaron Jones leaves, I'm not taking AJ Dillon over Cam Akers. Hmm. I think, I just think that 
if Aaron Jones is out of the picture and you you make AJ Dillon the guy, he just has a lot of upside in that offense. Um, J.K. Dobbins, he just doesn't have the ceiling that Akers does. DeAndre Swift, you can make an argument for because Swift is just a baller. Like yeah, we, but we haven't seen that commitment. For, like once we see the commitment from the coaching staff, then I will do it. But like Akers has Sean McVay as his coach. Sean McVay exactly. wants to give him like the game plan to get them into the playoffs was let's give Akers 30 touches. Yeah. So I, I think that I, I, I don't think this is an overreaction. I think that it's J- Jonathan Taylor. I'd probably put it into I keep Antonio Gibson ahead of uh, Cam Akers. I I'm still cool have confidence that. in in Scott Turner and that that offense. I think that they're another team that's on that's on the come up. Um, you know, they they need some quarter, some better quarterback play, but once they get that, they'll have a lot of options this year as far as quarterbacks. But uh, once they get that, I think that that'll set up Antonio Gibson for another year of success. Mm-hmm. I think that he finishes a top. He, you won the bet. Um, that we had, which was yeah. uh, Antonio Gibson being a top 12 option from week six on. So I think that it speaks to uh, Antonio Gibson's progression throughout the season. I think that he continues to build off of that. So that's why I'm taking him over acres. Um, but yeah, besides that, he's right there at number three, like DeAndre Swift. I'm, I'm not taking him over uh, acres. AJ Dillon, not taking him over acres right now. I just feel good about the, the Rams offense. Um, with or without Jared Goff, I know that there's some uncertainty there. Um, the offensive line has really taken a leap this year. Like we 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 should yeah, talk. Yeah, they got that, so that. much better. It, like they're, they 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 can move people. They are a good offensive line now, which is crazy. We we should talk the hell out of the Rams offensive line all off season, and they came out and just they just balled out straight up. Like Cam, when Cam Akers started to roll. Uh, in the second half of the season, like we saw that New England Patriots game where it was just Cam Akers, like 35 touches, got them the W single-handedly. So um, that's the talent that Cam Akers has. That's what he's going to display uh, next season. I feel very good about him in dynasty drafts and uh, regular redrafts. I think that, I don't know what his price tag is going to be. I'd imagine in redraft, it'll be around third round maybe late third round, early fourth round. Um, I don't see it in the top two rounds. In Dynasty, it'll probably be a little higher because you're talking about a a 22-year-old who's in a very good offense. So um, I'd be comfortable taking him in Dynasty like early second round, mid-second round. So, yeah, I feel very good about K-Makers moving forward. I think that he's in position to be one of the top guys in fantasy football next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see it. I like Cam Akers a lot. I think he's going to be really, really good for the foreseeable future. Like, uh, they were looking for, I guess, a girly replacement, and they got it. Um, fun fact, Cam Akers is, like, a year younger than Najee Harris. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Um, love Najee Harris. Love Cam Akers. I love them both. But that's just – Cam Akers is young, dude, and he, he's got room to grow for sure. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about here, I don't believe we've talked about this. Um did we talk about the Browns game yet? We have not. Okay, so this is the last one before we go. Um, Kareem Hunt is not a top 20 dynasty running back. Now, I know 20 sounds like a crazy number here, but you're throwing in guys – or I, I think Najee Harris is going to be the number one guy that I think already is going to be a top 20 dynasty running back. Um, but Kareem Hunt's 25, turning 26 at some point. I don't know exactly when. 
and he's behind one of the best running backs in the league and Nick Chubb and barring a trade. I don't know how I can put him ahead of guys like the guys ahead of him on the, like the fantasy pros consensus dynasty rankings are David Montgomery, Joe Mixon and James Robinson. I don't know how I can put Kareem hunt over those guys unless I can just look in the future and tell Nick Chubb's going to get hurt. But like stand standalone value i think he's a high-end flex play that can win you your week because he has the chance to score two touchdowns and go for 100 yards in a given week but he can also have those games where he just goes for eight touches 34 yards and nothing else like that's the kind of stuff that he can do so i don't know how i can put inside the top 20 after watching this game uh yes they did use cream hunt a little bit but i think he only got like eight touches for 30 32 he was, not, he was not used nearly as much he should have been used more, but they just didn't use him. And uh, I thought one of the big mismatches that the Browns had was using him in the passing game, but they obviously were not able to do that. So I'm, this isn't me saying that I'm out on Kareem Hunt. I think he's ridiculously talented as a player, but sometimes the situation is just too tough to overcome. And I think right now behind Nick Chubb, currently extended to the Cleveland Browns, unless he gets traded, I just don't know how Kareem Hunt ends up panning out uh, fantasy-wise. I, I just think there's better ways to go with – more i'll say easier paths to upside because you're really just banking on a nick chubb injury or getting traded i mean yeah i think that he's a flex play but obviously he he's the most valuable handcuff in fantasy football um he he has his own standalone value but uh the fact that he's the most valuable handcuff uh, because he's talented is he's a top 10 talent and he's behind a very good offensive line i still feel very good about cream hunt i'm gonna say I think that he's right there at the 20 range, 19 to 20 range, just because of how talented he is. Yes. He's behind one of the best uh, running backs in football, but you know, his, his value is going to be dependent on game script. He's a guy that you can play uh, every, every other week or so, just depending on the matchup. But um, I think that he's still involved in this offense. There's not much tread on his tires uh, at least in the week in the NFL um, you know, he, he obviously had that big rookie year and then a big second year. But besides that, he's been working as a backup running back for most of his career. So um, there's still a lot of tread on the tires for Cream Hunt. I think that he's extended with Cleveland for this year and then next year. So he has two more years with the team. Um, but th- there's the possibility that he gets traded. I don't think that he gets traded, but yeah, I mean, he's still very talented. I'm still taking him as a top 20 guy. Um, you could argue that he's like right there, fringe 21, 22, 23. I'm fine with that. But I, I still look at him as a guy that's around top 20, uh, maybe 19. Yeah, he, he's right on the cusp. But there's just other guys, like I said, that I think I'm just going to take over him. Um but it's close because the talent is freaking undeniable. Like Kareem Hunt, if you give him the opportunity, would be a top 20 dynasty running back for sure. He'd probably be in the top 10, maybe even top five, depending on where he was. Like if he was in Kansas City still, uh, he'd probably still be a top 10, top five, top eight dynasty running back. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I don't think we have anything else left to talk about, Tyler. Um, I kind of like this overreaction, not an overreaction kind of thing. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's cool to kind of get these takes out and talk about them kind of when they happen. I mean, we'll have more next weekend kind of talking about either football related or fantasy related and whatnot. Maybe what we hear with the, with the coaching changes. Well, maybe we'll do one of those with the coaching change, but 
yeah, I just think it's a good way to get our takes out there for the offseason. So look for more of these to come in the future. And we are still going to be releasing our normal Thursday pod. And this time we have a special guest to talk about, um, I guess, one of the young wide receiver darlings this year and why maybe it is a good time to sell them. That wraps up our divisional round overreaction pod. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at first take fantasy, no spaces in between, where we'll be posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of dynasty content to keep you prepared for the NFL draft and free agency.